Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young sitting in this evening. You know, the topic of the night, if you'd like to call in or text, uh, I, I talked in the first hour about uh, somebody found uh, a bottle a message in a bottle in Ireland that was thrown into the ocean uh, by uh, an 11-year-old in uh, Florida, I believe, and uh, and they found it in uh, this couple found it in Ireland. So, if you could find a message in a bottle, what would you like the message to say? And I, I gave my favorite, which was I I shouldn't have gone on vacation with Tom Hanks, because uh, <laughs> uh, again, any movie Tom Hanks is in now. Bad stuff happens. You don't want to go anywhere with Tom Hanks. If he shows up, you leave. If he comes to your house for dinner, the house is going to burn down. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen if Tom Hanks shows up. But uh, this is only when the cameras are rolling, though. If if, if it's Tom Hanks and oh, a camera crew around, I, I, you know you're in trouble. No, see, I don't think a camera's required. Jake, oh, really? Because, you think no, because, Tom Hanks is just a dangerous guy to be around? Well, he was one of the first celebrities to get COVID. That is true. And there were no cameras around when he got COVID. We don't know that. Well, but so because he had there are cameras everywhere. Big Brother's watching us, Brad. Exactly. Uh, No kidding. Well, there are cameras everywhere. That's right. I I count six in this room alone. Oh, my goodness. And nobody wants to see me. That's for sure. So I'm glad they're turned off. But uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, you just don't want to be there if Tom Hanks is there. But but here's the question I have for you, Jake. Yeah. You ever use uh, use Uber on a regular basis? Uh, Not on a regular basis, but I have. Oh, my God. I have the best Uber story. So what's that? Well, go ahead. Tell me what's your Uber story. So uh, a good buddy of mine, we were going to a uh, a concert at a Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. It was an all-day thing. And uh, this it was the first time that I had – this was before I worked in radio. I won these tickets from a radio station. And for mm-hmm. the longest time, I had only been using – and this is important – only been using digital tickets on my phone. I haven't had physical tickets in a very long time. We'll get back to that. So me and my buddy, we're at his house. We're pre-gaming a little bit uh, before we go to the show. The Uber arrives, we get in the car, and we go. We drive about 30 minutes uh, from Weldon Spring out to Maryland Heights, and the Uber gets us to the drop-off lane. And this whole time, I'm thinking to myself, my tickets are on my phone. They oh, weren't on my phone. No. <laughs> they were in my car at my buddy's house. And oh, so no. We ask the Uber driver. His name is Eric. He was the man. And we're like, hey, Can you- we're really sorry about this. And he's like, don't be sorry. That's more money for me. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> so he drove us all the way back and then all the way back to the venue at the wow. end of it after I tipped him. I think, it was, I think it was like a $90 Uber ride 
for Eric, for a thirty minute drive down the highway. Let's hear it for Eric, right? Eric's the man. So man. you got to see great. the concert. We did. We saw. We saw most of it. Do you remember who the concert was? <laughs> oh man, it was. Uh, I think the headliner was Alice in Chains. Shine Down was there. Mm-hmm. It was a rock show. Um, yeah, there were a lot of good bands there. I can't even remember off the top of my head who was there, but uh, we did get to see most of them. A little too much pregame. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit too much pregame and during game, and there was no postgame because no. I exhausted myself. But it was it was a good day. But man, it started off with a ninety dollar Uber. Ride. Well, you know that's interesting that you mentioned that because you remember this week there was this uh, huge traffic jam in yeah. Virginia, yeah, yeah, because of the snow. It went like forty eight miles, something like that. Hundreds of people were trapped for uh, twenty four hours. Yeah, uh, Senator day. Senator Tim Kaine, who was. Uh, Hillary Clinton's VP pick was stuck in it. Mm. Uh, there was a couple of NBC reporters who were broadcasting from their cars. Oh. One had his dog in the back seat. Oh, no. But they were just getting snow in a bowl, and so the dog could still get oh, something yeah. to drink, and so that, that was good. But uh, but the reason I bring this up is I read today, it's great that you mentioned your Uber story, <laughs> because there was one guy who was who was stuck in an Uber. Oh, no. And he got a bill, $700. He doesn't have to pay that, though, for, right? Well, they sent him the bill, and then when he posted the bill on social media, ah, and then there was a firestorm. And there it is. And then Uber went, oh, no, 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 we'll refund your money. Oh, man. If, but, I, got, if I got billed for that situation, <laughs> I would be so upset. I mean, at least in your situation, Jake, you asked Eric, hey, yeah. can you take us back to Weldon Spring? Yeah. And so, you know, he did it. Everything was cordial. Sure, everything was great. Everybody was all up in the up and up. But, yeah. man, if you're stranded on the highway for 24 hours and you get a $700 Uber bill. I can't even imagine. I can't even uh, imagine being stuck. I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Like, if, if this were to happen on the way home tonight, yeah, I wouldn't be prepared for that. There's nothing in my car that can get me through 24 hours being stuck on the highway. I don't think I have enough gas. Mm-hmm. There's no phone charger in my car. There no, is a blanket. Really? I had no phone charger. No. Well, the one in my house broke. And so instead of paying $30 for a phone charger that would work, I mean, can, you can get a bunch of cheapies from Amazon or whatever. Right. You got, what, but you there's got an a re- iPhone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, hang on. Uh, oh, what do we got? Are, are, you, are you donating an, an iPhone cable? Keep going. Justin, this is how great Brad Young is. Right here. Brad Young there you go. is donating to me. That's my present to oh, you. Oh, this is amazing. That's it's, a it's, good one. That's th- an anchor. Oh, yeah. This that's isn't, top of the line. This isn't the three-footer either. This no, is like, that's yeah. A, that, that's, I think it's a... F- Five footer. Oh, Brad Young, everybody. So now <laughs> you need you a phone no charger. Excuse. You're the guy. <laughs> I carry one in my briefcase because you just never know. Right? You never know. <laughs> you never know. You never know when a dude's going to say, hey, I, my phone charger's broken. Yeah. And so there I am. Oh, Brad but see, Young. But see, everybody. I'm an Eagle Scout. Okay. Ah, uh, see, I didn't make it that far. I did. Well, Tenderfoot. Yeah, that was I, it. I know, because then you learn about girls and then forget scouting. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and so since I made it to Eagle, that tells you about how my dating prowess was uh, as a kid. But but my point is, is that in my car, I've got I've got a blanket. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, some emergency food. Oh, good. I've got a couple of packets of water. That oh. are freezer proof, so they don't freeze in. The, if they freeze in the car, I don't care. Oh, you're set. I got that in the trunk. You're ready. I got a wool blanket and. When you're bald like me, yeah. I got a sock hat in the car because, man, you know, my head would freeze like a baby. Oh, butt, totally. You know, it's yeah. just, so I got to put on the sock hat, but I got all that. I keep all that stuff in my car. So uh, not that anybody cares, but, you know, if you're trapped it's on the road. It's good to know, though, because now that this big thing happened, it's got the conversation going. Like, if you're in this situation, here's what you need. Yep. And you being the shining pinnacle of oh, an example, please. you already have that stuff in your car. <laughs> got it. Got it in the car. You're set. Got it in the car. 
So uh, uh, I'll tell you what, though, a lot of people may not have anything in their car because they quit their jobs. You know, you got this thing called the Great Resignation. And after this break, we're going to talk to uh, leadership expert uh, Christer Ungerbach because he's going to tell us about what's behind this Great Resignation where people are just quitting their jobs. I mean, what's up with that? Why did why do folks just quit their jobs? And more importantly, I'm an employer. I've got employees at, at my law firm. What can companies do to try to stop all these folks from quitting their jobs? Because a labor shortage is one of the biggest economic issues in this country today. We'll be talking to uh, Christer Ungerbach right after this on X. Hey, welcome back to X. You've heard the term great resignation. It's an economic trend which where employees are just resigning and quitting their jobs en masse. But more, the more interesting question, I think, is why? Why and why is this happening? And why is this a harmful trend? And how do we respond? So joining us is uh, Christer Ungerbach. He's a battle-tested CEO of a $200 million company. He's a leadership expert and the author of the number one Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Tools to Transform Leadership in Business, in Partnership, and in Life. Hey, Christer, welcome to KMOX. I'm glad to be here. You forgot also St. Louisan. Oh, so, that's right. Well, you know, I yeah. did. I, I, I thought that was the case. I thought you were from this region, but you're originally from St. Louis. Yeah, I still live in St. Louis as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, then obviously you're familiar with the mighty Camo X. So thanks for joining us this evening. Yes. Uh, we've, you know, we've all heard this term, the great resignation, where people are just quitting their jobs. But does this trend span all age groups or is it more in one age group more so than any other? Well, so I, the demographics, well, one, I think actually, I think this is more what I call the great renegotiation. Um, you know, one of the things that it kind of brought my perspective on this is I built businesses in Europe, um, in the UK and France and Germany. And one of the things that anybody who's worked outside of the United States knows that Europeans and people from Asia and Australia, they always tell us as Americans, Americans live to work and everyone else in the world works to live, right? And so what's happened over the last couple of years with the pandemic is for the first time in my lifetime, but I've ever heard is we're actually seeing a shift that Americans are actually looking for the same level of work-life balance that frankly, most other developed countries have been living with for you know decades. Well, and that's interesting because there's a lot of circumstances where trends that happen in Europe, it takes a while to migrate over here. And what I'm hearing from you is this is just another example of that. Yeah, but I don't know if I would call it a trend. I think it was really work is so fundamental to kind of who we are as Americans and kind of independence and success. And, you know, it's been such a, you know, the fabric of what it is to be American and something about this being cooped up in our houses with our spouses while working has really changed a very large percentage of the American workforce's values as it relates to work. And that's where I'm saying, I call it the great green, great renegotiation because essentially employees have decided they've already changed the contract and renegotiated the contract with employers. And, you know, the employers who aren't, um, looking at this and saying, hey, we need to build better work-life balance. We need to treat our employees more as full people rather than just employees. These are the companies that are losing people and they're unable to hire any new ones. Hmm. However, the good companies and the good leaders 
who are practicing what's more, you know, generally termed compassionate leadership um, are they're winning. You know, my company, for example, I'm still an owner in Ungerbach Software here in St. Louis. We're still attracting talent uh, and we're, we're not having this problem with the great resignation because what's happening is uh, there's essentially this flight to quality that's happening. You know, it's happening in restaurants. The best restaurants are sure. thriving. It's mm-hmm. the bad restaurants that are you know, commercial real estate. Great, great properties are thriving. It's the not good properties. The same is happening with employers. The great employers, the best people from mediocre and poor employers are flocking to the great employers, right? So this is really a situation where the great leaders um, who are liked by their people and the companies who are supporting this work-life balance are winning. And the companies that are mediocre and poor at employee engagement are losing like disproportionately. And it's not just a matter of money. I mean, in, in so many instances, money can be a primary driving, motivating factor. But what I'm hearing from you is, is that in this instance, with this uh, great renegotiation, money isn't the sole factor here. No, it's really, I mean, it's really more about balance. It's about feeling valued. It's about having autonomy and having some degree of control over your work. And sometimes that's as simple as a boss rather than saying, hey, this needs to be done by tomorrow at five o'clock. It could be, hey, do you, you know, what would be a reasonable time where you could get this done by? Mm-hmm. And letting the person say, you know, I think I could get it done by five o'clock tomorrow or maybe three o'clock tomorrow or maybe it's 8 a.m. the next day. You know, but before we enforce and basically make a demand of an employee, that we just give them a little bit of potential choice in the matter of, you know, what they're going to do or when it's going to be done by. And, and so these are the kind of things that great leaders are doing. And, and I think there's a great opportunity for the listeners. Like if you're not in a job that you are happy with or you're working for a boss who's kind of just waiting and hoping that things are going to go back to the way they were two years ago, then take the opportunity in now to find one of those great employers that you, know, you can get yourself into a, you know, an environment where you are valued. Because I think what's going to happen over the next six to nine months is those companies, they will have basically scooped up all the best people and there won't be as many of those jobs to go around. We're, we're, we're talking to Christer Ungerbach, and he's a leadership expert and author of the best-selling book, Tools to Transform Leadership in Business, in Partnership, and in Life. And, Christer, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I run my law firm here in town, and as I met with my staff and employees at the year end to try to give them an evaluation of how they're doing, my goal is always to spend 60 to 75% of the time during those interviews or, or reviews asking them how I can make their job easier and more productive. And, yes. and, and, I, and I've had some very good feedback from staff members over the years saying, you know, I've never had a job where someone asked me how, what I thought about how to make their business run better, more efficiently, and smoother. Is that the kind of, not that that's the end all, but is that the kind of attitudinal shift that you're talking about here? Yeah, this is exactly, this is at the core of the, the book is 22 talk shifts, and two or three of them are specifically what you're saying is what the, the, the bosses and the employers who are winning are the ones who are going to their employees and not just saying, what can we do better as an organization, but also saying, what can I do better? personally, because ultimately the emotional connection and the, the person who has the most impact on whether someone stays or leaves an organization is with is hands down, the research shows it's that person's direct boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so 
the great leaders today who are winning and you know keeping their talent and being less stressed are the ones who are saying, hey, let's reevaluate. Like, wh- what can I do differently? What can I do better? You know, what, 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 what am I, you know, what am I doing well that I want to continue, you'd like me to continue doing? These are the kind of conversations. And this book that I wrote, I mean, we're so fortunate to be the number one Wall Street Journal bestsellers. It gives people practical fill in the blanks phrases and questions to have these really difficult conversations. It's uncomfortable to ask those kind of questions of other people. And if you don't ask them in the right way, you're not going to get a real answer. Hmm. That's a great point. Of course, we're, we're talking to Christer Ungerbach and he's sharing his wisdom, and he's sharing his experiences with how to make businesses a better workplace. I I read a recent Gallup poll, Krister, indicates that the pandemic has affected younger workers more negatively and that younger employees, those under 40, also experienced more stress and anger and lower employee uh, engagement and lower feelings of well-being than other workers. Is this kind of what's driving some of this work-life balance or these feelings that, uh, that, that came out in this Gallup poll? I think that, yeah, I mean, first of all, this research is actually, for people who have kind of been around this kind of research for a while, it's actually not surprising. Generally speaking, the least stressed person in an organization is the CEO. And it's basically very clear that the stress levels actually decrease as people gain seniority mm-hmm. and you know additional status within organizations. So the fact that younger workers, so we have this interesting dichotomy, the people who are at the top of the organization, generally speaking, are less stressed. And they're kind of wondering, like, well, what's everybody all stressed out about, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the one who's got the big job. But the research shows that the people who are higher up in the organizations do have significantly less stress than the people who are lower. So there's this disconnect, which again, requires senior leaders to be open and have conversations to really understand where is the stress coming from because they are not experiencing it. Well, another thing is we're talking about this great resignation and as you've called it, the the great renegotiation. But I've heard this, that if people are quitting their jobs, you know, what are they doing for money? Because many states have stopped the pandemic-related unemployment benefits. So if folks are quitting, you know, what are they doing? There's 10 million open jobs in America today. Uh, but one of the things that I've noticed, even with some of my uh, kids' friends who are all in their 20s, uh, that they're doing what's called the gig economy. And can yeah. you kind of explain what does the gig economy mean? And does that uh, explain where some of these younger Americans are turning for temporary work until they find a more permanent place of employment that meets that work-life balance? Yeah, a lot of the gig economy, I mean, these are people who are doing freelance work. They're working hourly. They're trying to start their own business. You know, it's kind of one of these things what's happening is it's like there's so much uncertainty in the world. Like, well, if I'm maybe going to lose my job anyway, why don't I just quit my job and I'll try to, you know, see if I can make it, you know, the American dream of starting my own business or working for myself. So the challenge is going to be somewhere, depending on assuming things kind of come back to normal normalcy over the next six to 12 months. You know, those people are going to start reentering the workforce at some point. You know, there, some of them are going to f- succeed. The ones who are generally the best at what they do are going to probably have the l- most likely of succeeding. And then the remainder of those people are going to be coming back into the workforce. The other challenge that you have as an existing employer, if you're not adopting some of these new, you know, more progressive leadership you know, approaches, um, is if you've got a team of 10 people, and you lose two of your people, everybody's already stressed at 10 people. That means there's now 10 people's mm-hmm. worth of work that eight people need to do. So you, the real risk is when you start losing two or three people or you know, 10, 20% of your people, and you can't, all employees are saying we can't find enough people to fill these jobs, 
that now you end up in a death spiral. Admittedly, this actually happened to me in 2007. We had grown a company really quickly in Germany, and we lost, we had like 20 employees. We lost three or four people in short succession, some because they had maternity leave or whatever. Um, And what it it did is it created this additional stress on the remaining people. We still couldn't find people to fill those positions, and we ended up turning over our entire team of 20 people over the course of 24 months. This is the risk that the leaders who don't, change their behavior, run the risk Mm -hmm. that it's going to get much, much worse for them before it gets better. Very good information. Uh, Christer uh, Ungerbach, if someone wants more information about what you do or even information about your book, Tools to Transform Leadership in Business, in Partnership, and in Life, uh, how can they find you? Uh, the best way, we actually, we donate 100% of the profits from this book, and I take no compensation from it. Um, we donate 100% of the profits, uh, causes selected by our readers. We give the book basically for free. You just pay for printing and shipping costs, and you can get it at talkshift.com. Of course, if you prefer to give the money to Jeff Bezos, you can buy it from Amazon as well. So. <laughs> well, I, I think he's doing okay. Uh, if if we go to TalkShift.com, I, I don't think uh, uh, Bezos is going to miss any meals. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not building a rocket. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here in St. Louis. So, <laughs> okay, you know. And that's the best part. Uh, uh, St. Louis's own uh, Christer Ungerbach. Hey, thanks for joining us this evening on KMOX. All right. Thanks a lot. You have a great evening. You too, sir. Uh, hey, when we come back, more news of the day we're going to get to. And, uh, and I'm going to share with you after this break. My favorite management, business management story that comes from Disney World, interestingly enough. Brad Young sitting in tonight on At Your Service. Don't go away. It's funny, during the uh, interview uh, with Christopher Ungerbach, uh, I had some folks texting in. One person said about how to make the, uh, how to make the workplace more productive, Red Bull and scooters in the halls. So... <laughs> Uh, Jake, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Red Bull and scooters? Maybe not Red Bull, but I'm down with scooters. Yeah, not a big yeah. Red Bull fan, are you? Um, it's it's nice in a pinch, you know. Like <laughs> yeah, like if pinch. I really need a Red Bull, yeah. it hits the spot. But otherwise, I'm a coffee guy. That's yeah. that's where I like to get my energy. I know. I drink a lot of coffee. I drink I drink a, drink a dangerous amount of coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's not I, good. I know. I know. I drink way too much too. But the and the only time that I stop drinking coffee is when I when I go see my doctor because I've got high blood pressure. <laughs> and so on days, whenever I have a physical, like I had a physical this week, yeah. I didn't drink coffee that morning because I thought, man, my blood pressure is going to be off the scale. So I skipped it. He goes, hey, Brad, your blood pressure is looking great. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's, well, like, it's like stoners quitting weed right exactly. before a job interview. <laughs> right, until I pee in the cup. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, Brad Young, look at you, man. No no coffee for this guy. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doc. <laughs> you got it. That's exactly like stoners skipping weed a month before. <laughs> That's a 100% accurate metaphor. Uh, yeah, we, well, it's interesting that, that, that uh, uh, Christer Ungerbach talked about these management strategies because – I had this occurrence that happened. One of my kids, we went to Disney World. Mm-hmm. And this was, uh, I've got three girls, and, and it was my youngest girl was probably like five. And we're in Disney World. And Jake, she loved uh, Ariel. Mm-hmm. Lo- loved isn't even a strong enough <laughs> word, how much she loved Ariel. And as we were standing in line in Disney World to see Ariel, mm-hmm. my daughter brought this Ariel doll, and she says, I want to show Ariel that she's got her own doll. I'm like, like I think Aww. she knows, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. So she's playing with this doll, and all of a sudden, 
there's this blood-curdling scream coming from my five-year-old. And I look down, and she's holding this Ariel doll, and the head is missing. Oh, no. She had ripped the head off this doll, and it got lost in the crowd. Oh. So she's going into total meltdown mode with the screaming because she has a headless she has a headless doll That's of so Ariel. Funny. And she's screaming because she said, you know, I'm going to scare Ariel with a headless doll. <laughs> she's screaming, screaming, screaming. So out of nowhere, and I mean... This is kind of things like a, a human abduction UFO stories where they say, <laughs> yeah. just out of nowhere, something happened. So I'm standing there in line, and there's throngs of people because we're in a you know cattle call line to go yeah. see Ariel. Oh, yeah. From nowhere, somebody with a polo shirt and khakis shows up, and they said, can you come with me? And I thought, oh, man, we're getting kicked out of freaking Disney World because <laughs> my daughter's having a meltdown. Right? Oh, yeah, because she's definitely the only five-year-old in Disneyland screaming bloody murder. So they said, so they said come <laughs> with me. So so we follow them, and then we, we go through this secret panel door. I'm not making this up. There was like a wall, and there was no door, and this guy pushes a button, and the door opens, and we go behind, and we're going through the, the, the annals of yeah. Disney World, right? Uh-huh. And then we come out, and it's the, the back storage area of a gift shop behind Ariel's Grotto. Oh, wow. And it's floor to ceiling with Ariel dolls in boxes. And they said to you, if you want another one, you're going to have to give us your kidney for it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with a bathtub and a bunch of ice. The mouse gets you again. Yeah, like waking up in Vegas, you know, (laughs) in the bathtub full of ice and your kidney's missing. So, no, they said, have your daughter pick out anyone she wants. Aw. And so I told her. She picked it out. She was great. And then we go back down the hallway we caught in line but before all of those other schmucks that were in line. Nice. And we went straight to the front of the line to see Ariel. Very cool. Okay. My daughter is overflowing with the milk of human joy and admiration. <laughs> the okay. milk of human joy. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> now, come on now. We're talking about my daughter. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was just, I've never heard that before. Well, I just made it up. So, okay. But, and I'm thinking, how cool is this, right? So I get home. And I, I picked up a book on Disney management. Mm-hmm. And I read this book on Disney management tips. And this is from the guy who was the head of HR for Disney for like 15 years before he left to go be, become a consultant. Mm-hmm. And he said that they teach their employees, they teach this, that when you find a crisis, you don't get upset about it. You look at it as an opportunity. And every person that they help who's in a crisis at Disney World it costs Disney World nothing. It costs them zero. Right. But all of those people go home and tell all of their friends about what happened. It's like free advertising. It's free advertising. And here I am talking about it on X. It's brilliant. To 44 it states. Is. And worldwide on the Odyssey.com app. Okay? You're telling me that Disney doesn't do things just to make people happy? Yeah. You're telling me... <laughs> You're telling me that there's an ulterior motive here? Yeah, of You're course. telling me that that employee made your daughter's entire trip? And it was all just for marketing. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Ah, it's but, brilliant, but it almost sounds evil when you put know, it like it that. Does, <laughs> it does sound evil. We're going to take over the world. But, oh, but, we got you. We, oh, don't do that. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it is. It's, 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 it's a plan. And I thought, how brilliant. And so I tried to incorporate that into my law practice mm-hmm. because I'm in the conflict business. And I used to get kind of nervous when there was a conflict. Sure. And now when a client calls me and tells me, 
you know, basically the world's on fire and everything's everything's going to explode and the world's going to be destroyed by fire in six days. You just give them a free doll. I'm like, okay, give them a free doll. Here you go. <laughs> Problem solved, right? Pick anyone you want. Anyone. Anyone, <laughs> anyone. you want. <laughs> Your divorce later. <laughs> anyone any you doll. want. Just grab an aerial doll and problem solved. <laughs> But I thought it was an amazing mindset that said, look for a crisis, solve the crisis, and you benefit as an organization. Yeah, you get people talking more about, about Disney the problem solver versus Disney the, you know, huge conglomerate. You get more out of the, you know, the law firm that, you know, took an opportunity that others probably wouldn't, you know, to solve this issue as mm-hmm. more like a benefit for them and for, you know, for the client as well. Sure. But, you know, yeah, tackle, ta- I like that. Tackling the, uh, the crisis, like, and, and, the, and the way that that guy did it, too, you know? That's, it's just like, it, how much does it cost for a ticket to Disneyland versus how much that doll costs? Yeah, the, the, the doll costs them nothing. It's I mean, nothing. It's nothing. It's, it's brilliant. Right. It's so, it so like, what do you do with that in, like, a, so, like, how would you use that in, like, a law firm sense? Like, what, what is the doll that you offer? Well, whenever I have clients that call me, that's a great question. Whenever I have clients that call me and say, I've got a crisis— then I go to my staff, the employees that work for me and my staff, mm-hmm. and I say, to the extent possible, drop whatever it is that you're doing, and we're going to focus on this one issue. And we try to get the issue resolved ASAP instead of just doling out the problem and dragging it along. Sure. I try to marshal all of our resources to do it right now. And clients recognize that. You know, oh, like yeah. I, I had a client this morning, just this morning, who called me with a crisis and I got my people involved, and we solved the entire problem the same day. Well, you know, in the legal business, that's rare. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, three months from now, I'll call you after you pay my bills. Oh, yeah. I watched the Britney Spears thing last oh, yeah. year. I know how long <laughs> legal stuff takes. It takes a long time, but we solved the problem in one day. And so I thought that was interesting. Contrasting with, have you heard of the, one of the main tenets of Jeff Bezos's management strategy? His main management strategy was this. That And he's no longer CEO, of course, of Amazon. But uh, his main strategy was this, that the best work you get out of any employee is in the first three years of their employment. After three years, they start to get comfortable in their jobs and they become less efficient. And because of labor laws, you typically can't fire someone except for cause. Right. So the way we want to, and this is what Jeff Bezos said, it's been publicly reported many times, that managers, after an employee has been there for three years, their job is to make their life a living hell so they'll quit and go somewhere else. So from Bezos's perspective, he gets the most productivity at their cheapest pay rate, and then they quit and go somewhere else and there's somebody else's problem. Hmm. That was I mean, Jeff Bezos's management it's, philosophy. It's kind of rotten, but like... It makes sense. Well, it does make you know, sense. But, I mean, <laughs> but, it, but that's truly the concept that says we're treating people as cattle. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and instead of treating people as people. Yeah. You treat them as cattle. And I just thought those were two amazingly different paradigms when it comes to running a business. And it's crazy because those are, these are like two of the biggest companies oh, yeah. ever. Ever. And and they're using two completely different tactics and some something about it works. Something. Something about it works. That's right. And uh, it, I mean, I don't know what it is. I'm not a business guy, but I mean, something, something's obviously working just fine. <laughs> well, here, before we go to the break, though, I, I got to ask you this question. I saw another poll today that said uh, 2,000 people were asked this question. Do you routinely chat with inanimate objects at home, <laughs> objects, plants, or pets? And before I give you the number, 
Do you you regularly have conversations with inanimate objects? It could be your car. Oh, my car for sure. Yeah. Plants or pets? Uh, I don't know if plants would, or I'm sorry, pets would be considered inanimate objects. Well, I know those are three different categories. Inanimate objects. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And pets are three different categories. I don't own any plants, so I don't okay. I don't talk to them often. Uh, I talk to my cat <laughs> daily. Yeah, I'm sure when I get home tonight at like midnight or whatever, I'm gonna apologize to him as if he knows what's going on. I totally <laughs> do that. And then as far as inanimate objects goes, like yeah, well, like when I got a new car, yeah. I said bye to my old car. Now of I course. still I still have it. I haven't yet sold it. Um, but I'm sure when I do, I'll say goodbye all over again. It'll be mm-hmm. a, I thanked my car the day that I got my new car. It was so sure. weird. I know, but you but is your is your old car jealous that you've got the new car? You know, it's kind of. I don't like know. Got- I haven't talked to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like an ex girlfriend. You know, it's like I, I'm not really worried if my ex is jealous of my new girl. I'm not worried if my old car is. Although it is fun because where it's parked is every once in a while I'll park right in front of it with my new car and I'll just kind of like awkwardly wave to it. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, check out what I'm riding. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to be modest about it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, you know, 2019, so it's not like super new, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah but you're, you're parading the uh, uh, the uh, trade-in wife in front of the ex-wife. Yeah, I, I understand how that works. <laughs> oh, do you? Uh, well, I mean, I know from uh, p- other people, sure, not from me. Sure, sure, sure. Not from me. Yeah, I, you got it. I tell my wife, look, I, I married my trophy wife first, so I didn't have to pay for a divorce. See, ah, that's what I told ah. her. That, that's my line. I, I, I married the trophy wife first. But 60%, 60% of Americans say that they have two-way conversations with their pets. So the question is for Jake Baumgartner, does your cat ever answer you? Yeah. Yeah. It's usually the same word, though. Yeah. Meow, meow or a variation of whether it's just the me or just the ow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I if I tell him not to do something, though, like if, if he's about to jump on the table and I say no and he says something back, I'll I'll just keep saying no. We'll just go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't know I'm saying no. He just knows I'm making sounds at him. Sure, but, he doesn't know. But yeah, we'll go back and forth. Absolutely. Of course. Well, you know, my dog learned... My dog learned a long time ago what is the time to go outside means. Mm-hmm. So she knows outside means go outside, and she goes berserk. Mm-hmm. So then we had to change the words. But, oh, yeah. So then we changed it to translate. Is it time to translate instead of go outside? That fooled her for a while. Now she knows translate means the same as outside, so she goes berserk if you say the word translate. So now we're on the word purple. <laughs> okay. okay. Is it time for purple? And then she she's not onto that, but I'm sure in about a month, then when she hears the word purple, she's going to go berserk again. So, Dogs are so smart. So I know, but that shows you there is a two-way conversation going on. Oh, because, for sure. Because she says, hey, doofus, I know what you're doing here. It just takes me a little while to figure it out, and then I'm on to you. Yeah, I would, I would spell, like, the word walk and stuff. Well, we, we tried that, yeah. too. We tried that. But see, I learned that phonetically, if you spell it, it's too close to actually saying it. Oh, because yeah. dogs hear it phonetically. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, if you say "walk" or "w a l k," it still kind of sounds like "walk." Uh huh. So you, I tried to pick words that were completely different. So yes, there can be two-way conversations. Now, if someone tells me that their plants are talking to them, um, I'm going to refer them for professional. I'm going to ask them what kind of plant they got. Yeah, like, Hell, <laughs> feed me. You know what was what was that uh, uh, Steve Martin musical? Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank here. There was a. Um, I don't know. We gosh, can go- we can Google it, it during was, the it's break. A, it's a play. It's a Broadway play. I've seen it several times, and I'm just drawing a blank here. But uh, we can Google it during the break. You can Google it during the break because we, we got to take a break. Thanks. Hey, at your service. We'll be back with this uh, I- intelligent conversation right after this. <laughs> Thank you.
You know, we got we got a great question. Someone texted in and said, "Are androids animate?" And uh, if you're talking to androids, I mean, I know data from Star Trek because I'm a Star Trek nerd. Uh, yeah, you can have great conversations with data, uh, but data's not here. So if you're having I don't know what would be the equivalent of an Android. Maybe you're talking to sex dolls or something, but uh, that would, <laughs> if they're talking back, that's a problem. Um, interesting. I'm going to have to, I'm trying to figure out how to transition away from that comment. I'm not really sure. <laughs> other, other that's than, something you got to plan before you say it. <laughs> I know. You can't transition out of that conversation, Jake. I don't know what you do. But I, I do know this. The, the most famous Missourians uh, of, from about a year ago, was were, were the McCloskeys, and of course they got plastered on on newspapers and television, and I mean they were just a, a big thing for quite a while. And you remember how that got wrapped up because what happened was, and I even actually predicted this would be the strategy because I thought it made sense that once the case got taken away from Kim Gardner, because Kim Gardner doesn't prosecute, uh, she's the circuit attorney in the city of St. Louis. She doesn't prosecute real crime. She just goes after social justice. And so uh, she was very vigilant in prosecuting the McCloskeys, even though she doesn't prosecute most other crimes. So once she was uh, using the McCloskeys in her campaign literature before the case was resolved, Kim Gardner was taken off the case because she had a conflict of interest. And once it was transferred to a different prosecutor, then the McCloskeys reached a plea bargain where they pled guilty to a misdemeanor in exchange for turning over that very famous AR-15 and the non-operational pistol uh, that Patty McCloskey was holding. I don't know what she was going to do with a pistol that didn't fire, but she was using it in a threatening manner. So why am I bringing all this up? Well, part of that plea deal with the prosecutor involved... Like I said, the McCloskey's surrendering that AR-15 and the pistol. Well, both of those guns were supposed to be destroyed shortly after the plea bargain. But in something that will be a surprise to no one, uh, the, the city of St. Louis apparently forgot to destroy these guns. And so they were laying around in a warehouse somewhere. So now Mark McCloskey and Patty McCloskey have filed a lawsuit against the city of St. Louis asking to have their guns returned to them because they were pardoned by Governor Parson. And their argument is, if we've been pardoned, then we've not been convicted of a crime. Therefore, you're still holding our guns and we want them back. And the city councilor's office, their position is that the pardon obliterated the conviction, but it had no bearing on the plea agreement in which the McCloskey forfeited their guns. So uh, this case went to actually went to a hearing uh, this week in in front of Circuit Judge Joan Moriarty, and she took the case under advisement. I'm going to have to be looking and watching on that case to see how it turns out. But when I interviewed, I interviewed Mark McCloskey after he announced he's running for the Senate. And uh, he was ready for all of these big, weighty, important questions dealing with foreign policy and economic issues and all the things you have to know when you run for the Senate. My first question for Mark McCloskey was this. I said, uh, Mark McCloskey, candidate for Senate 
in Missouri. What's your position on the Second Amendment? And uh, he actually got it that that was supposed to be funny. And uh, and so then we started the, the, the conversation from there and it moved forward. But uh, I, I should have asked this question earlier in the show to say, should the McCloskeys get their guns back, Jake? Should the McCloskeys get their guns back? I don't know. It's a little late in the show. I haven't developed an opinion yet. No. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I'm not educated enough on... Uh, on any of that, I know, really. but you saw that you saw the whole deal where they were waving their guns. I and... did, I did. Um, I don't know. That's a heavy question. Nah, I, no, I guess a... yes, because that's what you said. <laughs> but that's <laughs> also answer. the wrong answer <laughs> because that's, <laughs> that's not how you have an opinion. No, that's not. I don't know. I am fully willing to admit that I am not educated enough on that subject that's to okay. uh, have an opinion. But that's all right. But it, I totally understand both sides of the argument. I can I can definitely see the appeal of both. But uh, I, yeah, I just think it's funny because. Uh, uh, they actually went to the Republican convention in 2020, and uh, and to to a lot of America, they represented the the poorer part of Missouri, meaning people with guns. Uh, and what's ironic is that both of them are multimillionaires, being plaintiffs' attorneys. So they they certainly don't represent the poorer parts of Missouri when you're a multimillionaire. Hey, Brad Young here on a Thursday night. I'll be back next Wednesday on At Your Service Camo X. Stay tuned for best of DGS. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 